everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. My name is Casey Gibson and today we have another special guest and her name is Sydney Ford. Alright, you can go ahead and introduce yourself, give a little self-plug. Thanks for having me, Casey. My name is Sydney Ford. I'm currently a juvenile defense attorney. My office is based out of Atlanta, but I've been living in South Carolina working from home for two years now, which has been very nice. It's given me time to write my children's book, Grief Came to Visit Today, which is based on the emotions associated with grief and comes from my own personal story of losing my dad when I was 10 years old. It's also given me time to start my own nonprofit, Hope After Grief Incorporated, and we provide scholarships for seniors in high school who have lost a parent or a sibling, and this was our inaugural year. We were able to provide $1,000 scholarships to a student in South Carolina and a student in Georgia, and it's given me time to keep working on that and also to compete in pageants, which is partly why we're here today. Absolutely. And so going off of that pageant, what pageant are you doing next? I did, I did see that you just got a new title, so you can go ahead and say what that is. I'm the current Miss Woodruff USA. I will be competing for Miss South Carolina USA March 4th and 5th, which the 5th is my birthday. So it's a little birthday celebration, too. Hey, that, that's maybe that's luck going into the weekend. I might mention in an interview and tell the judges if you don't pick me, <laughs> you're giving me a terrible birthday gift. I, that's a great one. I would actually say that. And I feel like they would laugh about that because with, you know, USA, I did USA Teen, mm-hmm. your Marley Stokes won Teen, so it's been a hot minute. But in those interviews, anything to make those judges laugh honestly makes it so much better because I had gotten a question because it was round robin. I got a question. They asked me, what were three things you would take on a deserted island? And I was like, Who the heck asked that in a pageant? Like, hit me with some political or some religious something. Three things to take to Desert Island. So I said, um, a pillow, probably. (laughs) I said, maybe something to boil some water, and the time ended. And I said, maybe a a good laugh because I'll have nothing else to do. And the guy just starts laughing. I'm like, oh, thank God, because I hope I didn't sound like an idiot. (laughs) My answer for that one is always a book on how to get off a deserted island. So like, 2.0. like deserted, <laughs> deserted island for dummies, like one of those books that, oh, there you go. That's a, that's a good one. That's what you got to go with. You know? yeah, then they'll be like, wow, you've really thought about these kind of questions. <laughs> this is what I do at night when I'm standing in the shower. So I think like, about yeah. all of these weird, obscure pageant interview questions. Oh yeah. Cause they're definitely out there. People hit you with the most random things. Like one girl we had, they had asked her an onstage question while I was at Miss Camden Teen for MAO. And they asked her what were some of her interesting pets that she owned. Everyone else got, what's your platform? And tell us about it. Hers was, what's your pets? She had like three pigs and a couple chickens and some spiders. And we're like, she just said all this on stage. Like, this poor child. I'm hoping that was on her resume and that they I think knew. it was. That- <laughs> it had to come up in her interview, but I was just like... Wow, they wanted everyone in that auditorium to, to know how many animals. <laughs> yeah, they she wanted had. to hear that question, which was very interesting. So going back to you competing at USA in March. So how has been the preparation for that? With you know, doing getting ready for a swimsuit and finding a new evening gown. How was that? Well, the last time I competed, and we were discussing this earlier, was 2018. Mm-hmm. It's been three years since I stepped on a pageant stage. I when I did the prelim for USA. It was kind of a shock being back. Going back in the interview was fine because I'm used to talking to people. That's not different. But finding attire and being back on stage and being back in heels was also... A transition. (laughs) Especially after COVID. I sat Mm. around in slippers for a year and a half. So that was very different. But getting back, 
into working out and realizing, okay, I now have to put a swimsuit back on, on stage. Oh, Haven't done that in three people. years. Yeah. <laughs> and after graduating law school, I really didn't do much fitness-wise. So it was getting back into it, which is partly why I decided to compete, is it gives me something to work towards yeah, and makes me stay motivated and on track with fitness and political events and everything going on in the world. So partly, for me, pageants are a way to keep myself on track. Yeah. So I've been doing that and getting back into interview prep and walking, practicing in heels again and getting my feet used to them so oh, I don't yeah. get blisters. Yeah, so your feet don't literally die the Fall weekend. Off. <laughs> yeah, one of the new hacks that I've found, we were actually at REI in Columbia and my brother is a big, he did walk the Camino, so like he had to walk 500 miles in tennis shoes. Well, we had seen that they had this new, it's almost like a speed stick is what it looks like, hmm. but it's like a foot deodorant. And so before I do pageants now, or even just wearing heels for going to a wedding, I rub my feet up in the stick and I don't get blisters. Interesting. So my issue, and I had to wear heels to MC an event last night, Mm -hmm. and my legs were sore after. (laughs) (laughs) That calf flex. Yes, and I I guess I had wore heels for so long going into pageants that I never had that issue. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm older and that I've taken that time off and not really worn heels, I took them off and I felt like I'd done a leg workout. Oh, but absolutely! All I done is just walk around for like thirty <laughs> minutes. Yeah. What did you MC last night? What What was that event? So Atlanta Angels is an organization I was a mentor for when mm-hmm. I was in Atlanta. They partner with foster families and help them through the process. So they're not like a foster placement organization. Mm-hmm. What they do instead is provide things like love boxes, which give the kids games and activities. Mm-hmm. They provide the families with emotional support, and then they also do the mentorship program. So I was paired with a foster child in our community, and we would hang out. One day we did dream boards. Um, mm-hmm. She's a as big of a nerd as I am. And so we both like kind of the same movies, like vampire movies, supernatural, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So we talked about that. Um, she made me watch, I think it was iZombie or something while I was what? with her one time. <laughs> so she's 13. So yeah. I, I'm not sure if that says more about me or her that we like the, <laughs> the same, same things. things. <laughs> but I emceed, they had their Use Your Influence for Impact event last night, and they brought in a bunch of influencers in the community. And actually, because of pageants, that's why they asked me to do it. When they emailed me, they were looking for an emcee. She knew I had the pageant experience and said, would you be willing to do it? Uh, They trusted me with a microphone without ever hearing me do public speaking. So I guess pageants paid off in that sense that they believed I could do it because of my pageant experience yeah, so absolutely but that, cool. that is a good thing that does come out of pageants because you know people now think okay well you've been in this you know world of pageants for you know 10 plus years you can honestly do anything at this point you can be a judge or mm-hmm. MC pageants or even kind of just like we had done like a runway a couple a couple years ago and they had a pageant girl come and literally host the runway like she's just like talking and she's wearing mm-hmm. a blue gown there you go. I'm like wow like it is kind of interesting that pageant world does open up a lot of these different avenues that you would have never expected because you're like I'm not a announcer for a radio mm-hmm. host or something I'm not anything like that but just because I've walked the stage and done what they've possibly done before like that gives me like a little bit of credibility so mm-hmm. that's kind of nice that they reached out to you about that yeah anytime my mom has ever complained about the money that she's put into pageantry I just remind her about all the interviews that I've done for my job for scholarships for school um, getting into law school all of those wouldn't have gone half as well 
had it not been for pageants and that experience of being able to stand in a room and be drilled about political issues and being able to answer it. And mm-hmm. half the time, most of our politicians can't do what some of these pageant girls do on stage in the, in the interview room. So I always remind her, look at the skills that I got out of it, even if you might think it's not worth the money. It's <laughs> trans- it it's translating <laughs> into bigger things, Mom, I promise. And, yeah, going off that, how much money do you think from being, you know, doing, like, basically just, like, the MAO system, how much money do you think you've made from pageants that went towards scholarships? So I know for a fact my last year I earned $19,000 in scholarship Holy money. Moly. And uh-huh. that year I really did go into it focusing on trying to get the most scholarship money as possible. And partly because, kind of as we discussed as a side conversation before we started, was that I had been fourth runner-up, second runner-up, third runner-up. Only one person wins out of however many girls are in that year. It's 73 in the year I did it. It's usually (laughs) over 50 at Mm -hmm. least. And so for that, um, I knew going into it, one girl wins – you want to get as much out of it as you can. So I really tried to maximize my essay writing that year and my community service hours and do everything I could to get the most scholarship money because at the end of the day, if I didn't win the title, I at least wanted to be able to help fund my education. No, absolutely. And so, you know, most people might not know or people in the pageant systems that have done MAO do know that going into that, I know I showed up and I just got $1,000 for being there. And I was just mm-hmm. like, this is great. It was a long week, but hey, I at least have some sort of scholarship money that I'm walking away with. But like hearing that you're like, <laughs> oh, I got $19,000. i am like, holy crap. Well, okay. It's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I did 600 hours of community service oh, yeah. that year to, and that was just one scholarship, which was mm-hmm. the most community service hours. But then they had the Miss South Carolina Community Service Scholarship, the Miss America Community Service Scholarship, which were essays. But it was about what you did. And I wouldn't be able to write about my service had I not done it. Mm-hmm. There was things like the Rhonda Rainey Memorial, which um, that scholarship went towards mental health. And my platform was grief growing up. So a lot of it tied into the work I was already doing. And I just wanted to maximize the fact that if I'm actually out here in the community doing this work, why not write about it and try to get that scholarship money? Because, like I said, one girl wins and you want to get as much out of it as you can. Absolutely. So coming back to where you had talked about your platform, are you still using your platform? Because I know that you did just release a book. Does that have any like correlation together or? It's actually an interesting story. So my dad died when I was 10 years old. And when I was trying to come up with a platform, I bounced between ideas. I first thought maybe heart health because my dad died from a heart attack. I thought about cancer, that kind of stuff. You know, the the platforms that I had heard. Mm -hmm. And I actually decided to go with grief, which I think a lot of people felt was really morbid at first coming Mm -hmm. in as a pageant platform. Like, hey, I'd love to talk to kids about death. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think a lot of people really got it at first. And I definitely got some feedback about, are you sure that's what you want to do and what you want to go with? I decided I'm doing it. That experience, going to schools and talking to kids about grief, changed my entire direction of my life. And I look back now and I had no idea that, and I started doing Miss South Carolina Teen when I was like 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. 15 year old child talking to elementary school kids about grief is now the person who has a nonprofit based on grief, who's written a children's book about grief, who 
overcame her grief through all of that. Because at 10 years old, you don't know much about grief. You don't know the emotions associated with it. And truly, talking to those kids was what got me through it. I volunteered with Kate's Club in Atlanta when I lived in Atlanta for law school and worked with them for several years volunteering with their children and it's a grief support group for free in the community that kids come in and do like day-long activities and we do Mm -hmm. camps and all kind of stuff but it just brought me all of these connections I recently found out I was nominated to be a board member for the um, National Alliance of Grieving Children that is so awesome that's a national organization that supports grieving children and their organizations nationwide so for me it's started as a pageant platform and just something I was like oh I have experience with this let me talk about it and has changed my direction of my life even my career Mm -hmm. I can look back and say oh I wanted to help grieving children that's how I ended up in juvenile defense so it really is a full circle moment and I probably wouldn't have found this path and be where I am had I not had to sit down and come up with a pageant platform Yeah, absolutely. And the platform, that has been kind of like a reoccurring conversation with uh, the episodes that I've filmed so far. And when I talked to Callie Farrow, who was the Miss Gamecock, she said that when she did the same thing, she sat down and was like, what is something that, you know, means something to me? And it's not just, oh, I'll go talk about it and act like I'm doing something with it. Like, I actually want to do stuff. And so she had come up with a platform. She works with the Red Cross and does blood drives because she found out she has the universal... um, Blood time, yeah. Yeah. So she has universal blood time. So she has done so much with her platform. That's what hearing you like, I'm like, wow. Like I know, like when I picked a platform, I was like, oh, anti-bullying. Like I've been bullied. We can do this. But like seeing people do like true stuff and like this has you know gone along with your job. Like this has gotten you where you are today, and now you're being nominated for something like bigger than yourself. Like this is Mm -hmm. amazing. That's just I I want people that are starting like starting patents or getting into patents or new to it to kind of hear like what is something you would tell them on like how to get started or where you know maybe for their platforms like how should they look for something that is you know something true to them and means something well actually when clubhouse was super popular i don't know if anyone used the app clubhouse it was um an app kind of like this where you talk to people about things but you can do it from your home and it's like an ongoing podcast or ongoing Mm -hmm. radio type thing And I got together with several pageant girls, and we actually did a session on finding your brand, finding your pageant platform, and had girls come in and ask questions. And frequently what I found that most people would tell them is to take that time of introspection, list three or four things that you're passionate about. And I think a lot of people think, oh, it has to be something that affected me personally. That is not the case. Mm -hmm. I think... People would be surprised, though, how many things have affected them personally that they could turn into a platform. I know you mentioned bullying. Yeah. That's something that's happened. There are people who have adopted a pet and they're really passionate about that. You can turn it into whatever you want to make of it. It doesn't have to be a big sob story either. I think a lot of the times people think, oh, my platform needs to be something terrible. Um, I know girls who have turned platforms just into positivity and um, going to schools and talking to kids about being positive influences. And it's not necessarily something that has to be um, something bad that happened to you, but just think about the things that you're passionate about. If there's a piece of legislation out there that you're passionate about, do something with that. I talked to a girl about, um, she was wanting to do something with 
voting rights. Mm. And I was like, that's a platform that you don't see out there that much. Why not? And I think people tend to stay away from things like that because they're afraid that, oh, I'm going to get voting rights questions in my interview if I do a voting rights platform. And that's probably true, but you will know to expect it. And you will know to be prepared for it. Yeah, because if you choose that platform, you should prepare on all angles mm-hmm. that they could hit you on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what some people, when they do just randomly pick the platform, of like, oh, maybe I'll do, you know, like animal adoption. Mm-hmm. You you should know everything out there on About your platform. Because yeah. if you don't, there's going to be that one random question where they stump you and you're like, oh, crap. Like, this is not good. And that's mm-hmm. not what you want to have in your interview. And you I, need to know it. And I do think it's fine not to know everything. I mm-hmm. think there are definitely times where you can tell the judges, you know, I've done research on this, this, and this, and I must have missed a that. specific item. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's fine. I think we place a lot of pressure on ourselves in the interview oh, yeah. <laughs> to have this perfect, amazing thing. And there was a year um, where I got grilled about gun control and the legalization of marijuana. And it was oh. very much just trying to see if I would change my mind. You know, one judge would say, well, what about this? And the next one would be like, well, what about in this situation? And it was very much trying to see if I was going to falter, if I was going to stay my ground. I think a lot of it came from the fact that I had, that I was in law school on my resume. But I did. I said, this is what I know. This is what I'm sticking with. And I think a lot of people go into interviews and they're worried about those political questions and Mm -hmm. the not knowing. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay not to know. I think it's okay to say, this is the information I have. This is what I've been given. And this is how I'm going forward. Oh, crap. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Hearing that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't want to do another 10-minute interview. (laughs) I can't do that. And really, it wasn't that bad. Um, I do, it was near the end of my interview. Mm -hmm. And so actually, one of the last questions was about the legalization of marijuana. She had expanded on what she had asked earlier about it. And the bell rang, and I was like, okay. Gosh, I don't <laughs> have to answer that right. one. We're done. <laughs> but um, it sounds worse than it was because it was um, stuff that I kind of expected based on my resume and being in law school and the connections I had to that. But... You, I mean, you never know. And I tell people, I've worked with some girls who are doing pageant prep, just, you know, don't let them see you be afraid of the question. Don't, and don't be afraid of the question. Mm-hmm. If you don't know it, you don't know it. And if it's something that's too tough, give it your best go and you did what you could. Yeah, you at least answered the question or found a way to answer it in a way that maybe you didn't know. Like you said before, mm-hmm. I could be like, well, I haven't researched enough on this answer, mm-hmm. but I definitely will look into it kind of thing. Yeah, I've definitely used the line, um, I'm not familiar with that topic. I'm not sure if you would like to give me a little bit more information about it, if we have enough time. If not, I'll definitely research it later and have an answer for you at a later time. That's a really good answer. And it's just letting them know that, and especially because there was one time where I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't want to decide in my mind that that's what they were asking if it Mm -hmm. wasn't correct. Yeah. And the judge actually gave me a little bit more information and clarified, and that's when I said, okay, I do know what you're talking about. And sometimes there's are some questions where they ask about something, and you're like, are you asking yeah. what I think you're asking? Yeah, I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> I did yeah. some mock interviews where um, <laughs> there was a judge who would specifically ask, like, tongue twister type questions to make you actually listen to the question. So it'd be like, what do you think about the thespian society? 
And so you actually have to sit there and think about, okay, lesbian actors. Okay, yeah, you know, I love acting. Yeah. But it's to make you actually listen, because I think a lot of the times, especially with hot topic questions, mm-hmm. we instantly assume that we know where they're going with the question. And you, like, turn your ears off. You're like, okay, I got mm-hmm. this. Let me think. Yeah. Especially if you've done a lot of mock interviews and you've practiced one answer and one question. Then you get in there. You're expecting them to go that direction. They go a different direction, and you have turned it off, and you did not listen. So mm-hmm. I do think it's important to do mock interviews like that where people mix it up and people ask you things with weird wording and words that maybe you don't know and just really – make you and force you to listen to the question absolutely that's that's really good advice right there. i'd never like i mean like i've done the mock interviews like mm-hmm. we were talking about but nobody's ever made you like almost like think because you always turn off yours like, okay i gotta start thinking about this answer to this question because you only have x amount of time like that's when you like yeah. start rushing and that's just something that you really need to like work on mm-hmm. in those mock interviews that that's what byron in my first episode some of the parts i had like clipped out but we had talked about he was getting um, one of the first Miss Gamecocks ready, and he didn't know anything because this is the very yeah. beginning of him joining um, the Miss South Carolina system. So he was like, interview, yeah, go in there, do your thing, girl. And he was like, I wish that I would have known the weaknesses in the beginning. He's like, because mm-hmm. I threw her into a pit of fire. He's like, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I want to say maybe it was Katie. I, I think Katie was I think, the first Yeah, I think it was Katie. Um, but he's like, I threw her into that, and I did not prepare her for anything. So from then on, that's when he was enforcing those, like, mock interviews. Even, like, the Gamecock Club now, like, they mm-hmm. do those mock interviews before they even have Miss Gamecock, like, in mm-hmm. the beginning of the year and, like, the fall. And so that's something that, like, definitely practicing that interview. And that's been a continuous trend on this podcast is yeah. talking about that interview because I feel like that's the most important part, really, of the pageant. Yeah, you might have beautiful gowns or beautiful fun fashion or look great in a swimsuit, but if you can't talk to people and have good communication skills – that's really going to hurt because people see that. And if they're sending you out to all these different places in your community and you're trying to talk to people and you Mm -hmm. shut down easily, they're like, oh, crap, like this is not good. (laughs) Well, I've I've judged some, too, and I will say it has changed my opinion on what I will do in pageants going forward Mm -hmm. because I have found that you love a girl in interview. Now, that's not to say that the stage – appearance can't change kind of the scoring because mm-hmm. I have seen some people show up in an interview and not so much show up on stage mm-hmm. you know that's happened time to time but I will say if you a girl leaves an interview and you love her then you love her mm-hmm. and sometimes you could do whatever on stage no. and if that person just took your heart in interview there is no changing that That first impression really does mean something to those judges like it is a big deal and it's a point of connection and I think today especially in like this post-covid era people really are looking for connection and so that face-to-face just like oh it's someone gets me Mm -hmm. even if like you talked about nothing that serious oh yeah but you just felt like the vibe was there. I just really like this girl. I mean, it it can change the pageant scoring. Yeah, for sure. having that easy connection with mm-hmm. someone really does. It definitely helps. I have a very special question for you. I okay. like to ask everyone this. So, hearing all of your pageant experience and kind of where you are now, that pageants has like helped you to that, you know, point in your mm-hmm. life. What would you say has been the most positive impact from doing pageants in your experiences? So kind of going back to the fact that had I not had my platform and chosen that platform, I'm really not sure where I would be in my career today. Taking that time to focus on grief 
has allowed me to realize that there is a lack of focus on grief in a lot of areas in our life, especially with children, because people don't know how to talk to kids about grief. And so for me, pageantry, with choosing my platform and being able to speak about that has shown me so many things and so many weaknesses in that area. And it's given me skills with public speaking. It's given me the ability to interview and talk to anyone about anything. Mm -hmm. But I really think my biggest um, influence and the biggest thing that's helped me was that platform selection and that transformed my life. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that people can kind of hear this from you you know, straight out of your mouth and they're not just hearing it like, oh, okay, I heard about Sydney Ford did this one time, but it's like, mm-hmm. you're like, this is my firsthand experiences with pageants and what it's done for me. And that's what this podcast is all about. is like hearing your experiences because everyone else has a different experience in pageants, whether it be positive or negative, depending on what system you do. And I just kind of wanted to touch on this. Sydney and I talked before about this. I know I don't mean to bring it up, but she was the first runner-up to Miss South Carolina. And I kind of wanted to ask real quick before we end this, being in that first runner-up position, like how did that affect you going forward? It can be positive or negative Mm -hmm. in the pageant world because I know that either sitting in that seat, you can be like, this is great. Like I've worked so hard Mm -hmm. and got to where I am. Or it's like, it almost wasn't enough. Like, what could mm-hmm. I change? Like, how was that feeling for you? It really is both. And there are people who are listening who might not be religious, so they can take this with a grain of salt. But leaving that pageant, I knew that God showed me, okay, you have the ability to do this. I'm taking you as far as you can to show you that you didn't do anything inherently wrong in the mm-hmm. sense that I didn't, like, do bad. You did the work. You know, I took you as far as you can go, but this title was not meant for you. And so for me, it was very much, okay, I knew that I could do it. I came close. I proved to myself that I had the ability to be Miss South Carolina, but it just wasn't my time and it wasn't right for me. And it was accepting that. That was really hard at first. And I think people, and my mom has always told me, you know, there are people who would kill to be the first runner up. Yeah, like There are people who would love that. And so that's always a humbling moment for me when I get upset about it because it's true. There are people who wanted to be called in the top 15, wanted to be called a top 10, wanted to be first runner up. And so as much as I was sad about it and was crushed not to get that chance, my mom always humbling me as moms <laughs> do, um, would, say, would always say, you know, there are people who would kill to be first runner up. And ironically, I did pageants when I was little and my mom to this day will remind everyone that mm. we talk to about mm. that I consistently got first runner up in several pageants as a mm. child. And so we were driving one to one one day and she, I look at her and go, mom, I just hope I get first runner up. <laughs> and so to this day, um, that has haunted me. And maybe that's what carried me into the first runner up position. <laughs> the bad juju now. Yeah, I jinxed it. I told the universe I wanted it and now I've got it. But no, and... I think as far as going forward since that experience, I definitely puts pressure on me going back into Miss South Carolina USA, having been first runner-up at Miss South Carolina MAO, and not competing since. Mm-hmm. I feel like people expect a lot from me because of that. Mm-hmm. Even though it's different systems and oh, different yeah. scoring, I still feel like people look at me and expect more. So it's making sure not to put that pressure on myself and just making sure to realize that there 
it's a different group of girls. It's a different group of judges. And that changes the results every single time. Mm -hmm. And honestly, from day to day with the same girls and the same judges, the results could still change. Absolutely. Like, I, that was really good. I enjoyed listening (laughs) to that myself. But we've come to the end of the podcast, sadly. I really enjoyed talking to you today. I was so glad that we could sit down and get together and, you know, just kind of reminisce on what your experiences have been with pageants. So, you know, nobody knows what happens in the future, but I guess you got to check out next week. Bye. Bye.